Welcome to the Restaurant Realty in 10. 10 minutes of uncensored straight talk for restaurant entrepreneurs. Twice weekly, the Restaurant Realty in 10 dives into restaurant operations, facilities, real estate, and investments. Today we are joined with Chef Blake Rushing from Union Public House to talk about how to build a bar program in a successful restaurant. Chef Blake, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So Blake, I want to dive into how you were able to create a fantastic bar inside of Union Public House and then how do we keep it going. So why don't we start off with how do you bring a fantastic bar program to any restaurant? And the staff is what does it. The the guys behind the bars are, that's the most important part um, next to the ingredients, of course. So um, you start off with a really great bartender who's also, I mean, not just knowledgeable and uh, knows how, has a great palate, but also knows how to train people and pull that knowledge from his mind and put it in theirs. And it's such a high paced area back there that you've got to be able to know where you're coming from, especially while you're talking about the cocktails, talking about your knowledge of the cocktails while you're working and putting them out to the guests because that's what they love as well. So that's one of the biggest things. And uh, our lead bartender now, um, Mandy, she's she's actually works in the kitchen as well. She's an amazing cook and she has a great palate. So to see that transfer over um, to the bar is pretty cool because she can pull different flavors together for different cocktails. So are you seeing that, let's just use Mandy as the basis for this part. You're taking the menu and Mandy is able to help identify great cocktails, and of course wine and beer, but great cocktails that marry well with certain meals. And then when your servers go to a table, they may say, hey, listen, this particular dish goes great with this cocktail. It may be a margarita, it may be an old-fashioned, it may be something unique, but because of the flavors, they marry well together. Big time, yeah. And I get that a lot when I go to your restaurant. So tell me what you look for when you're pairing a beverage with a dish. It's very similar to doing wine. You can go about it one of two ways. Um, one way is you've got the wine or the cocktail you really like, and then the other way is you got the dish you really like. You want to pair with it. You could go pair the dish or pair the cocktail. Say if you got like a nice smoky old fashioned, probably recommend um, our hanger steak. It's a nice meaty, gamey steak uh, rubbed down with black garlic, served with collards and cauliflower mash and red eye gravy, which has got some coffee and bacon in it. So it's a stronger flavors, which would also pair nicely with that. Whereas you got like a, a nice light salmon dish, I would go with a lighter white wine or a lighter uh, lighter cocktail, say like a Paloma or something like that. A little heat to it, a little acidity that would pair nicely with the fish. Fantastic. And so translating that knowledge to new bartenders takes a lot of time and effort and study. So how do you begin a training program for your newer bartenders that may have experiencing bartending at a more simplistic bar, but how do you elevate their understanding and their training into your restaurant? Um, in the interviews, we always push them to make sure they have creativity. They need to be a little bit laid back because it's not going to be the same thing you did before. You need to have an open mind coming into Union in Public House. You basically, you're not starting over, but take your knowledge and your base mechanics and all that, and you're going to learn kind of a new way to do it, our way to do it. But we also want you to be creative. Like when we do the cocktail menus, there's always input from every bartender. Everybody brings cocktails to the table and we all taste them. And then each bartender says, hey, this may need some more acidity or this one needs a little bit more boozy or this one needs this, needs one needs that. So, so is that how new drinks are also formed? Yep. Yeah, we do it seasonally and uh, it changes with the food menu, which is about five times a year. And it's, it's fun. And basically the bartenders work over a matter of weeks playing with cocktails, tasting it between each other before it actually gets to me. And then we have a cocktail 
cocktail day on like a Sunday where everybody comes up and they have their two or three cocktails. They have the names because we always want to have a funny name. My uh, most recent favorite one was one of the guys, Nate, did a Sage Against the Machine. Yeah, <laughs> like I saw that. Fashion. That was a fun one. But we come up with silly names and basically taste stuff and the bartenders critique each other. I get to taste them. The bartenders have more critiques of their peers than I do because they've been tasting them and they they know it better than I do. So um, by the time they get to you, I mean, listen, what's been either the craziest name? I love Sage Against Machine, but has there been anything that has been described to you that you thought, no way will that ever work? I'm trying to think of one and I, um, I think it may not have made it to me. We do have one coming up um, that we've been playing with and it's going to take a while to get there. Um, by a guy named Frank Perez. He's doing a, um, a dirty martini and using the uh, boiled peanut uh, juice oh. from our boiled peanuts to make it dirty. <laughs> and so uh, that's going to be interesting. I love the idea. I love the, the idea of the saltiness and everything and garnishing it with boiled peanuts, of course. But we're still playing with the recipe. So in the kitchen, you make a lot of your ingredients that ultimately go out to the bar and are served in drinks. Tell us about some of those ingredients. Um, there was a fun we did. We have Meyer lemon trees behind the restaurant, and uh, we confited a bunch of Meyer lemons um, for... We actually did two different ways. We confited some for a dessert and gave them the syrup, so they had Meyer lemon simple syrup they could use um, for cocktails. And then there was uh, we preserved some Meyer lemons, which is a lot of salt and sugar. So it's a little bit... It's very strong flavor, so you only use a couple drops. But that was another crossover pickling rhubarb can create like a, a tincture the the excess we had it was a, a beet cocktail we did and they used the pickled beet juice from our, our pickled beet salad i forget what it was anyways some some cheeky name so that was that was neat using the pickled beet juice so basically the whole idea for the kitchen and the bar is not to have any waste and so we always want to figure out something we can use somewhere else now you do a lot of great meats do you ever incorporate a meat into a cocktail we have done some of our bacon infused in some whiskey, but um, as far as using it in there, we have not done that much. I know it's popular, but it kind of gets me, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not, not a big fan. <laughs> well, so getting into the finances of your drinks, you know, you have cocktails, beer, and wine. What are your target cost of goods sold for each category? Uh, for the most part, we double the beers, um, our cost. So 50%. Um, the wines we do, depending on how expensive the wine is. So the more expensive, the less we mark it up. Yep. Um, so like on a, on a less expensive bottle of wine, like some of our house wines range from like 9 10 to $14, $15 a glass. And so usually the, the glass price is the bottle price. Um, so we'll on those. But then we get like the nicer wines. We may mark up only like double or not even that much. Maybe just put 20 or $30 on but top of it. But those would be sold by the bottle. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then your cocktails? Cocktails are about 20, 21% around there. All right. Yeah, that sounds fairly common with yeah. most, most restaurants. So last question, Blake, what percentage of sales does your bar make up for the overall revenue? It's between 19 and 20%, somewhere around there. So the pretty strong. Mm-hmm. That's why a bar program is so important to any restaurant. Oh, yeah, definitely important. And um, I mean, it just brings people to the, to the restaurant. Especially if, why go why go to a place to have a cocktail before dinner when you can just come to our bar and have a cocktail before you sit down? Perfectly stated. Thank <laughs> you for coming in, Chef Blake. We uh, will look forward to our next visit. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Restaurant Realty in 10. If you're interested in restaurants, whether operations, facilities, buying, leasing, or investment, the Restaurant Realty in 10 is for you. Please subscribe to this podcast, and you can also visit therestaurantrealty.com for show notes, topics, and additional information.